Hello, everybody. Welcome back to OP is OP, the podcast where we go through the One Piece manga front to back. One of us, myself, for the first time. As always, I am Jacob, the super rookie of the One Piece series, joined by my co-host, the super veteran, Justin. Hello. This week, we are covering the Alabasta arc, which the full arc covers chapters 155 to 217 in the manga, but we're mostly covering the first half because it's so long, which covers up to chapter 179, so it's 24 chapters. Mm-hmm. But we might kind of spoil past that in little chunk, so just be aware. If you haven't read those chapters or watched the corresponding anime episodes, you might want to do so before listening, because we spoil absolutely everything. Speaking of spoilers, I got some statements to make right away. Let's hear it. What you got? So... Uh, oh, I'm wait, before you start, sorry we did not have an episode last week. We were both really busy and had a bunch of stuff going on. Now continue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Holidays, New Year's, events, real life, COVID, you know, the fun stuff. That's how it goes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I got some statements to make. I want to start off by saying, Justin, I fucked up. Oh? Uh, I was not in agreement with you when you were defending. Are, are you about to, <laughs> to pop to, to tell me that you've finally seen the light about our best boy? Is that what's happening uh, right now? Well, maybe, but you're kind of you're kind of salting at the wound right now. I'm trying to come clean right now. Man. <laughs> yes, okay, I knew it. so okay, so in the past episodes, I admit I was overlooking Karu. He is the duck character that is with Vivi, and I've been overlooking him. I'm just going. This guy is kind of a funny gag character, but not too much. I wasn't too thinking too much about it. You compared him to Chow Chow or Chow Chow. I keep saying Chow Chow. From Orange Town, and I was saying I don't know because I prefer dog over ducks. But I wasn't just I wasn't thinking of just overall animal companion characters. I was thinking of dogs. And right. I want to say up front, I fucked up. Alabasta proved me wrong, and Karu is in Beautiful. fact best boy. And uh, I apologize right. sincerely. And I, I don't regret seeing the, the light. <laughs> And I don't regret that I'm making this apology about Karu because I'm like, he yo, I fucked it. up. I <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> he is, uh, what a man. What a man. Yeah. But that, mm-hmm. we'll get there. We'll get there. Even in this first part that we're covering, the first 24-ish chapters, even then we still see enough of like, oh yeah, Karu is totally like the one of the best companions you can ask for. Oh yeah. Um, second statement. Oda continues to show off his world-building expertise. Holy shit, Alabasta alone. 100%. Foreshadowing, world building, just completely on board with the variety of islands, locations, architecture, cultures, politics, everything. Just from one arc alone, it all, it, plus it's like the first like longer arc we've had in One Piece. And yeah, it really shows where it's like, give Oda some time. He's going to give you a world, a whole island. Oh, yeah. And this kind of leads into three, my last statement. All the hype around Alabasta, it lives up to it. I'm just going <laughs> to say it. Hear it. Lives up to the, it lives up to the hype of even Justin here going, like he's doing, he's doing really good, by the way, like off, off uh, recording, on recording. He's doing very good for me of not spoiling anything. But sometimes, like for Alabasta, he goes, wait till you get there. And I go, all right, whatever, <laughs> calm yourself. See, okay? so just as a, an addendum, I only do that because even when I was catching up to One Piece, I was hearing about Alabasta as well. And they were just mm. like, oh, man, when you get to Alabasta, you know, people on the forums, like, that's when it really gets great. Yeah, and even, like, when I got there, I also was not disappointed at all. I was like, damn, you guys were so right. That was awesome. Yeah, so... 
just the the arc itself is completely well paced. There is a great combination of character development, introductions, foreshadowing, world building, themes, motifs, plot. Let's get started, Justin. We're kind of breaking the fourth wall here, but I'll actually talk about what happens in this arc. Okay, so in this first half, not too much happens, but there's like, as we kind of spoke about off screen, pacing in this arc is phenomenal. It really just Mm -hmm. goes, 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 and it pops off fast, but it doesn't feel like it's being rushed. So in the very, very beginning, we get this little scene of Crocodile where we get to fully, finally see what his devil fruit is. It's maybe a little bit vague, but I think you can infer based on the drawings and the panels, right? Mm-hmm. There's like a bunch of pirates kind of rampaging, and then the king of the desert, as he's titled, Crocodile shows up and just ices him like nothing with a little sandstorm that he brews up, and therefore we now understand he is made of sand. Because he gets stabbed there as well. We see him get stabbed, quote-unquote, a bunch of swords pass through him, doesn't do anything to him because he's, you know, he's made of sand as well. He pulls a uh, Captain Barbosa from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, where uh, Jack Sparrow stabs him, and then he just <sighs> like yeah, he just sighs. Barbosa pulling a crocodile, my friend. <laughs> you know what I mean. My introduction yeah. is reversed here. <laughs> is that a is that a One Piece reference? You think? <laughs> oh my god! We're again with this. Is that a One Piece reference? Uh, if Barbosa was actually made out of sand, like if he was leaking sand out instead of blood when he was stabbed the first time, then yeah. Did they did they like turn to dirt at the end when they got? Um, the ones that died? No, no when no, they, they got turned back in to humans, Caribbean, right. yeah, When the curse was lifted, they just turned back to human. That was I haven't seen that movie blood. in a really long time. It's been a while. It's a really good movie. Good pirate movie. It, it was. Um, I liked it a lot. But yeah, this introduction with Sir Crocodile is a really good introduction because we know as the audience, the, the uh, readers, that this guy has got a lot of hype behind him. This guy has, he's the leader of Barrack Works. He's one of the seven warlords of the sea. But when we see him here, he's fending off pirates that are raiding Alabasta, and the people are loving him, the locals. They're calling him the hero of the people to the point where even King Cobra, great name, by the way, King Cobra is going, we owe him a debt. Like, he is doing his job. Like, I don't trust this guy fully, but he is doing good work. We cannot deny this. But obviously, we know the truth behind Crocodile. Yeah, he's sneaky. He's doing it all behind the scenes, and his front is working out really well for him. Yeah, he's like a vigilante. He's the people. He's almost like a vigilante. He's a local hero to the people. He fends off the pirates when they show up, and therefore the locals love this guy. So when something might occur later, he can swoop in as the hero of Alabasta. It all the seeds are being planted, like chapter one right away of this master plot that Crocodile may have. Yes. And uh, the Straw Hats aren't doing too much during this. They're, like, running low on food, right? And they're just kind of complaining, getting them to their normal shenanigans. But they they get to Alabasta pretty quickly, right? Yeah, they get to Alabasta pretty quickly. Um, Well, they're they're on their way. They're on their way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they're, I think, maybe a chapter or two. They're just, like, at sea, like, oh, we're hungry. They're trying to fish, whatever. They get a little bit of world building, like, the sacred catfish or something that vvc is like oh no yeah, it's like an alabastan god or something can't eat that that was actually a really good uh clever use of like is this useless world building but then i realized no this is the reason why they have no food still and that's why later on when luffy is rushing to the restaurant we get this crazy ev- series of events where it leads to um oh, him yes. being chased by security however before um we get to there i do want to mention again like the world building like i said it's a tier where we get a good look at the palace of Alabarna. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Alabarna? I'm just going to yeah. that. 
Yeah, yeah, that's good. I love the inspiration for the design of this place, where it reminded me of the Blue Mosque from Istanbul, with you have like the dome tops, the tall, narrow towers, four yeah. corners of the building. And but then you also have like a big open courtyard in the front of the palace that's like Umayyad Mosque in Damascus. It's just so like this guy's like like out like obviously the research is much more limited back then in, in this is still the nineties when he wrote this or two thousands at this point. Do you know? When this art So came this out? is about he started in ninety seven. This is what, chapter what do we say it started at? One fifty? So it's, it's early, probably two thousand, two thousand one when he was writing this, publishing it weekly. Oh. Okay, so internet access might still be limited because dial-up stole the thing back then. But even right. then, it's like this guy went through his research and it's like, let me look at some inspirations. Let me look at some great works from the Middle East. I don't want to do just a typical Egypt approach because, you know, desert Egypt, that's popular. But what can I do to actually change it up a little bit? And he goes to uh, Turkey for inspiration, uh, Syria for inspiration. It's just great world building on top of that. So, yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge that for the world building because it's just like one little thing where me as a nerd just going, ooh, I recognize these buildings. Let me Google it to confirm it. Yeah, and, and Oda totally does get really inspired by real-life architectures. Like back in Logetown, oh, yeah. or... Logetown. Logetown. Yeah. I'm saying Rogue. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> yeah, back in Logetown, we kind of saw that, like, some Florent inspiration from Italy. And there is even mm. one shop there that is just a one-for-one, one, a shop that's in Florence. And so that's kind of the giveaway. You can see that. He really actually does look around. And every island has its own kind of unique architectural culture, which is just really, really, really nice touch on the world building. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and we were talking about world building, but... And we mentioned foreshadowing early on. But another piece of foreshadowing that was actually really fantastic was while the Straw Hats were sailing to Alabasta... They have like this weird uh, run in with like some of the steam fume vents from like underwater volcanoes. And accidentally they pick up a they pick up a unique passenger on accident when uh, some of the rods are fishing for fish. Yes, honestly. that's the most and, important thing that happens there. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, oh, who is this crazy clown guy? Oh, he's actually very friendly. All, like half the straw hats are being friends with this guy. He's very funny. He can he has the power of the clone clone devil fruit. He can transform faces at the whim. He can take your uh, face and voice and body. And it's like, oh, my God, this crazy guy. But it reveals one of his faces that when he's just fooling around, it's the king. King Cobra. Okay, so actually this is kind of jumping ahead. But I do want to mention or kind of ask you about Mr. Two. Did you notice that he doesn't have a partner? The only agent that doesn't? Actually, now they point that out because I didn't think too much about it when they show off the charts throughout the um, chapters. They show you like the whole list of like, here are all the agents. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. They'll be important when I get to it. <laughs> yeah. So, again, that's my oversight on me because I didn't think there'd be some actual hidden where it's like, is there actually a co-agent for Mr. Two? Why is that? Right. So you didn't think about why he doesn't have a partner either. Which no, I, just wanna, I didn't. I almost wanted to say good on Crocodile because there was a quick line in this first half somewhere. I didn't mark it exactly. Where he says he is both a man and a woman. So theoretically, his gender is fluid, I think. I don't know the exact it, term. But apparently, me, wait. Crocodile also respects that, which I thought was just kind of cool. You know, he's like, okay, you can fill both slots then. Works for wow, me. Wow, he's, he's, a, he's a progressive evil villain. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? He does at least have some morals. Which I Did they like actually... That. Wait, so they actually... Did they call Mr. Two a hermaphrodite? Or... No, he just... He said himself he was a man and a woman at some point. Okay, well, I, it's one piece, so it's probably both. Actually, yeah, uh, it's both at the same time. Happen. I don't know. I don't know, but yeah. So I thought but that was interesting. Way, 
Okay, but regardless, it's actually not that important in the, like, in the grand scheme. Yeah, just in like the Brock plot grand scheme, not that important. Yeah, it just shows that Brock works is very like very firm kind with like okay, we yeah. we need we need a man and woman agents, but Mister Two, you're both okay. You just be both. We trust you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. But the main thing that came off of this is Mister Two bids farewell to the Straw Hats after they have their friendliness. It's very important here that I'm glad I reviewed. Sanji never interacts with Mr. Two. He is below deck cooking, I think. Right. That's really important for later on. Oh, yeah. Two, half the Straw Hats really like Mr. Two. The other half don't. Primarily, it's the girls. The girls don't like Mr. Two. They think he's a big creepo. I kind of agree. Where he's got, like, the hairy legs. He's got, like, the weird clown look. He's got, like, greasy-looking hair. He's transforming into them. Yeah. And basically, he's basically sexually harassing them because he's transforming into them and showing off yeah. their boobs to the guys. And it's like, what the fuck's wrong with this dude? But regardless. Yeah, he's like touching their face without it. It's unsolicited, you know, just randomly touching Nambi's face. It's a little weird. Not too yeah, flattering. Yeah, but regardless, it, that way it ensures that they don't have like this blind love or optimism for this guy. Because they realize, um, I think they do a name drop, the crew does, when they pick up Mr. Two from the Straw Hats. And they go, oh, that's Mr. Two. That's Bomb Clay. And... They right away, and I actually love this, Zoro catches on right away. We have an advantage now. We know yeah. one of their agents with our powers. They don't know who we are. Like, not right away. Like, he'll find out later on. He'll put connect the dots. But Zoro says we have an advantage at this point. Because he, because the clone clone powers, as he um, showed off, would seemingly be like a very decisive, surprising strike. Where you could literally, yeah. um, literally copy anyone. Because, it again... He can copy not only their face, but their voice and their body type, so he can completely disguise themselves perfectly. But Zoro is like, let's take advantage of this. We have a, we have information. Yeah, it was a very fortunate encounter for them. Zoro immediately recognizes it. You know, he kind of gets that, whew, good thing we saw that before getting there. Otherwise, this could have turned out really bad. Yeah, and then the first part, they show off with their plan. We'll elaborate more about this in part two, because... Part one, again, we're trying to focus We're trying to focus primarily on these first 24 chapters, but obviously we've read the whole arc already before recording this. The first part of the plan, when I read through this part already, I'm thinking, like, this is kind of a very short-sighted plan that could easily go wrong, where it's like, let's just wrap a bandage on our left arm, and that's it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. okay, I get it, but that could easily go wrong because you're going into a desert area with sandstorms. That could easily be blown away, too. You guys are going to be fighting, obviously. This is a shonen series, for God's sake. That might be cut or thrown off or something or dirtied and three if they find out that you're all wearing bandages all they have to do is wear a bandage too so to me at this point it seems very short-sighted but i'm like okay but a plan is better than no plan and right. they're acknowledging it at this point so i'm like okay let's see where it goes yeah because obviously as you know, it's also it's still in this first section that they do actually get discovered mm -hmm. the they billions the are following them and they're like the huh? yeah I don't understand that name. They're the millions are the high-ranked agents, or are they the lower-ranked agents? They, they're, they're trying they're to tell us hierarchy. Like, there's, like, the... Hang, oh, yeah, the billions are underneath the top 10 agents, and the millions are under the top 24 or something like that. Right. But they have, they're, like, this... They're all grunts, yeah. They're... Yeah, so a fleet's tracking them. Uh, the Merry-Go is high sailing directly to the port because the crew is starving. They couldn't capture that sea cat because it's holy to Alabastans. I don't know why. It's not important. The important thing is they're hungry. They storm to a restaurant, Luffy well, especially. Luffy, he's out of there. As soon as he lands, he's like, I'm finding yeah, a restaurant. He's like, out, see ya. <laughs> and then uh, what we see in that restaurant, 
before we get that little cutscene of Luffy is running, is yeah. a dead man, quote unquote, sitting at a restaurant, his head just falling in the plate, holding a fork up, he's got like a cowboy hat on, and uh, a manji, I think is what it's called, the Buddhist symbol on his back. That yeah, it didn't it didn't age very well, but I understand. It did why. not. It's, it looks it's, a little it's, bit it's, like it's, a swastika. Yeah. yeah, it's but yeah, it's, it's, a, Buddhist it's a Buddhist thing symbol. as well. Yeah, still it doesn't look great. <laughs> and but this man is motherfucking Porcus D Ace. Oh, there's that D again. Oh, and then he just there says, "Oh, I'm looking for my little kid brother," and I'm yeah. like, and oh. I think it in the little Oda box introducing him. Right, we get the his uh, title and the crew that he's with. Yeah, a brother of Luffy, second division commander of the Whitebeards. There we go. Is, so now we have both a black beard and a white beard mm-hmm. being introduced so, relatively close together. It makes you wonder if is the white beard pirate crew supposed to be like similar to Luffy's, where they're like, you know, they're good to do pirates, but they're still pirates. And then Blackbeard's like the super evil one, or is it more gray than we know? But regardless, it's a little bit of the uh the family blood where you joked around earlier how Luffy can contain eating that much because he hits rubber. He can stretch. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, wait, but this is his brother. He could totally do yep. the exact same thing. Oh, that's his power. Yeah, he just burns all the food away inside of his yeah, stomach. Yeah, he literally just burns eating. in his stomach. So he like in reality, when he's <laughs> he eating those piles eating, yeah. of food, he only eats like 5% of it in reality. or like, it's like 1%. fuel to a fire. You know, you're just throwing it <laughs> exactly. on there. Keep the fire burning. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, there's, it's still a reason. So it's not really quite a bloodline thing just yet, but they both right. happen to have powers. Huge, that you can ha- huge appetites. Yeah. That you can have, yeah, headcanon, why they have these huge appetites. But basically we have, oh God, it's, it's so hard to try and frame this because I feel like we want to push on with the plot, by covering it. But I also have mentioned like, again, there was so much foreshadowing and world building going on in this chapter. Cause I have more notes here of like yeah. a small little thing of, Chopper, one of the newest member, going nuts with his nose, going, I can't handle it. Like, there's strong nose, the strong sense. And then VB yeah. is going, oh, we're known for our incense. We're known for our perfumes here in Alabasta. And then Nami is like, you mean like this? And then she sprays some perfume, driving Chopper nuts. <laughs> this is relevant yeah. for later on. Yeah, it this really is. This little perfume part is relevant for a small And then also, later. when we, the other Straw Hats who are still, like, at the shoreline with the ship, they see Mr. Three's ship. Who was kind of kicked out of Brock Works and supposed to be assassinated. <sighs> right. But he has apparently made it back to Alabasta too, and we don't know exactly what he's doing here and what his plan is. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, also for relevant. The, for those who don't listen to every single episode, uh, Mr. Three was from the Little Garden arc, and that is currently still my least favorite arc by far. And it's mainly because of Mr. Three. I just do not like Mr. Three at all. So when I saw this, I'm just like, oh, I just hope it's quick. Crocodile, <laughs> please help me with this. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Wow. Oda really answered your request on that one, didn't he? <laughs> so That's again, great. that theory I had where he's like, he's a time traveler and he listens to my opinions and then goes back to his time to write the pieces. It's almost making sense now because he's like, he really did yeah. my Mr. Three. <laughs> okay, you know what? I got the answer for you. Hang on. I got the answer for you. But we do get a, a crazy city chase because Luffy drops in. He, of course, he destroys everything because Luffy's just tumbling, bumbling. Smoker is there back from Logtown. They beat the Straw Hats to this place. Uh, Smoker and Toshigi. They're yeah, on this uh, crazy roof. They intercepted chase. a message at the end of like an arc or two ago, right? And they said like, they heard Alabasta. Right? Oh, yeah, it was a uh, little garden. They heard Sanji's message yeah. from Mr. Mm-hmm. Zero. And therefore, they figured out to go to Alabasta, so they got here first because the Straw Hats <laughs> were gallivanting and drunk. 
the call sign from Restaurant Le Crap. They just heard Alabasta. Yeah, le Crap. I, I heard crap. I heard Alabasta. It must be the straw hats. Let's go there. <laughs> we get this. Um, sorry. So go on. We have this moment between Smoker, Ace, Luffy during their ch- rooftop chase scenes. Right. Like a three-way chase. Smoker is chasing mm-hmm. Luffy. Ace is behind Smoker. Blah, blah, blah. La Luffy reencounters Zoro. He kind of spots him out of the crowd, even though they <laughs> yeah. changed their outfits to like match the locals a little better. He sees him and he just beelines right towards him, leading all of the Marines straight towards his crew. Yeah, he's not like, even thinking like, about hey, it. Zoro. <laughs> yeah, and Zoro's like, ah, oh, crap! Like, don't lead him this way. Go, go away. But obviously, Luffy doesn't listen, right? And then they're saved by Ace, who at this point we kind of mentioned already, but reveals that he has firepower. He he's ate, a uh, fucking firebender. <laughs> he's, he's a little better than a firebender, but a little he's like, he's bit. Like, he's like a Sozin Comet firebender at all times. I was thinking it's, that, yeah, like he's constantly got Sozin's Comet going on, beefing him up. Yeah. So, and he covers their escape basically while they go back to the ship. And Luffy, I think he was carrying a bunch of food with him or something, right? For the others, maybe. I uh, I think so. Yeah. No. Yeah, because the Straw Hats they got their supplies, and then Luffy yeah. chased. Right, right, back. right. So Straw Hat's got the supplies. Then this is part one of Karu proving me wrong, where Vivi gives him the task of, okay, we got our notes back from Whiskey Peak, Whiskey Place. Give these notes to my father. And I know you have to go across this boundless desert. Basically, across the Sahara Desert, basically. And here's a jug of water. Ration wisely. I trust you, Karu. Go. And right away, even at this point, this is super early, but even at this point, I realized at this moment, I fucked up. <laughs> Where I'm like, yeah, so yeah, he does do that. Okay. He's, he takes a message to King Cobra to like reveal everything about Crocodile and all that. So he's going to be missing in action for a little bit from the story. And then, yeah. uh, like you said, Ace covers their escape. Obviously, those Marines stand no chance against him. <laughs> nope. And he kind of recovers or he re uh, reconvenes with the Straw Hats on their ship. Yeah, so he just shows up all like on this mini like specialized jet ski boat that yeah, only like works a, with his it's firepower. It's like a jet propelled surfboard kind of like with a s- snowboard that works on the water. I don't know, but it's cool. Like a little yeah, mini ship. a surf a surfboard with a sail and it's got like some metal like clamps on around so it doesn't melt when he it uses his fire to propel yeah. himself super fast. Super cool. Um, he just shows up like a cool dude after Luffy is like, I bet I could probably beat him up. And Luffy's like, who can you, who, like, who can you beat up now? <laughs> Shout up like a big brother. Yeah. And like, so Luffy said the last time that he saw Ace or before, yeah, before Ace ever had his devil fruit, Ace was stronger than him. And he did already have his devil fruit because he ate his as a little kid. Yeah. Which is, that's a pretty good power scaling, at least initially. Like, okay, this guy is pretty strong. Oh, absolutely. Um, but the big thing that we got here, to me, the big thing, besides the fact that he was with the Whitebeard's ace, uh, he actually invites, uh, I think he invites the Straw Hats in general, but when I first read it, it looked like it was just Luffy, where it was, hey, do you want to join my crew? Like, we Yeah, and he tells it. Luffy, like, hey, join up with Whitebeard. Your friends can come, too. And like, you can Luffy all join us. right away just goes, no, thanks. I got my crew. Nope. I got my own goals. We got our own goals. We're going out on our own. But I yeah. love this dynamic, too, because then Ace immediately accepts the answer, but then goes... I'll see you on the grand line then. Like, like, okay, I don't hate you as an enemy, but we are rivals at this point, brother. Game on. Right. We're both after the same treasure. But before he leaves, he gives him a blank piece of paper. 
Yes. Now, if this was a random no-name person, I would not think this much about this blank piece of paper. But we got, like, this brother character who is doing very... He's working really hard to show off that he's no rabbits, okay? I'm actually a cool guy. Oh, yeah. I'm important to the plot. But I am so cool and strong and important. Here's this small and insignificant piece of paper before I leave. Have fun. And I'm thinking right away, and I'm thinking... This has got to be a code. This has got to be some emergency. When does it activate? I don't know. Maybe, maybe if it's <laughs> oh, maybe, oh, maybe over a flame. Like when you think of Ace, I don't know. And you see like the oh words. yeah, that's a good theory. Well, you see the map of the fucking back of the Declaration of Independence. The map to yeah, I was gonna treasures? say like the I national treasure thing, right? Like maybe you breathe <laughs> on it, you get it hot, and <laughs> there's a message yeah. on there or something. Yeah. But yeah, but we don't know. All we know is that he said that paper will bring them together again someday. Yeah, so maybe not a map to the national treasure or the One Piece treasure, but maybe the treasure of family. I don't know. They're really pushing this Will of D thing in this arc, but we'll cover that more when we get there. Because this guy's name, after all, is... What is his name? Like, Portgall D-Ace? Portgus. Portgus D-Ace. Portgus D-Ace. But another thing I just noticed that the Straw Hats were actually liking this dude, and they're, like, impressed by him. Even Nami just going, like, wow, it's so weird how he's serious and intelligent he is. He's related to Luffy? (laughs) Yeah, because like, he, he did appear burn. very amicably, you know? Like, when he first arrived on the ship, he bows his head, and he's like, thank you, guys. I know you must have been looking out for Luffy. He's a dumbass. Thank you. Thank now, you for that. <laughs> now, now watch me destroy this entire fleet carrying you with one attack. Have fun, guys. Yeah, like, I will repay <laughs> my thanks by clearing your escape in one attack. <laughs> <sighs> and, just and that like was, that, he... ooh, great panel, great action, little moment. So, do you like Raditz better or Ace? <laughs> I'm not even gonna dignify that answer. <laughs> Cause I'm teetering on ace at this point, but I, I could change my mind. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but a, a, a little thing I did notice here is I think it's actually an intentional artistic choice by Oda, and I did appreciate this. Luffy looks like a cartoon character. Flat face, flat eyes, big open wide smile, yeah, lanky body. Compared to his brother who is like almost like the most realistic character we've gotten so far in terms of appearance, where he's got like the buff body. It's like, it's not stick figure. He's got a normal designed face where he looks even sexy. Almost. He's got the freckles. <laughs> yeah. He's got like the, like the low key eyes. He's got like style to him. He's cool and suave. Yeah, so I'm like, he's got a swag to him. So the, and the last time I saw a character difference like this was actually Gurren Lagan, where he had Simo, Simon and Kamina, where Simon yeah. looks like the small boy. And then Kamina is like this big, cool, badass with bandages, tattoos, the glasses. Mm-hmm. And then Simon later in that series, but we're not going too much more into that series, he overcomes that and becomes better than Kamina. But uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, but so basically, the only other, I compared like, it to that. Oh, my bad. Continue. Yeah, but basically, that was my comparison where it's like because we see this similar escalation with Simon where where aesthetically you draw the character to look cartoony or young or immature because aesthetically it's to reinforce the readers of this character's growth maturely. And Luffy, he is shown to have a really good heart of gold, but he does have, you know, that still that immature brain sometimes mm-hmm. where he's very uh, blunt and brash sometimes. It's his best and worst trait. And yeah, Ace is literally like the counter figure where it's like, this is Luffy, but with experience where he's grown. He's got like the attitude behind him, the intelligence behind him, where probably why Nami was so impressed. It's like, wow, this might be Luffy in the future. <laughs> Cause it's like, damn, this <laughs> right. guy's actually like, he's got like strength and he's got like this, like charisma and intelligence with him. So I wonder in the future, if 
I don't think so because I've seen the art from like later on the series. But I wonder if they'll more and more make Luffy look more like Ace a little bit. Not obviously, I not identical obviously because they're different mm-hmm. characters. But maybe more like maybe he'll be less of a stick figure and more like I don't know more built, more strong. But maybe yeah. the car- the face won't be as cartoony or flat. I don't know. It could be yeah, a, Ace has that but... kind of Zoro body type, right? Like pretty chiseled. Yeah. Whereas like you said, Luffy is just kind of flat, pretty sticky, but. Yeah, and when the, and the times get serious and, they, and Oda does draw, like, Luffy in this combat mode where he's at the art, he is buff and strong, but he's still, like, the lean strong, right? Ace is buff. Like, this guy is, like, supermodel buff. Yeah. Where I'm, like, I'm questioning my sexuality buff, right? Luffy <laughs> yeah. is, like, again, he's got the lean uh, bustle. He's still got it. Regardless, I'm wondering if that's, like, a possible uh, aesthetic difference intentionally to show, like, Ace has got the experience and the mind to it. Right. So then in this little section, I guess the only other relevant kind of thing, at least for Ace, is that he said he was chasing after Blackbeard. So there, because Blackbeard was formerly a member of Whitebeard's crew who killed a shipmate. And so Ace, gotcha. you know, the only penitence for that is for him to also get killed. So Ace is hunting him to kill him. And Blackbeard was the one to run, a, run a, basically usurp the hierarchy on Drum Island for those who are uh, remembering like why does that name sound familiar not from your history books but from drum island right, so and this guy's a badass he was able to use up the hierarchy with five people so but we learned yeah he was from he's from Whitebeard's crew and that's why ace is hunting him down so some some justice some cleaning up to do basically we do get a glimpse of what the plan is right because they get the supplies from uh the port city nanohana i think it's nanohana i think that's the port city and then they go to um they go across the river to another port and they go towards another city. I don't have it on my notes yet. Yuba? What was that? Yeah, because I think, I think at this point they're going to a place called Yuba. Vivi reveals that Yuba. they're going to go to the rebel base in Yuba and meet the leader and try and like explain to him the truth. And that it's not like it shouldn't be a civil war kind of thing going on, right? Yeah, it's misinformation going on. You're fighting for the wrong reasons. But what I do... What I did like was Vivi's plan is way too optimistic because they established that yeah. this rebel army is 700,000 strong. You don't have that many people without the mob mentality overtaking of like, we want blood kind of thing. And lo- and luckily I got some vindication because Zoro was going, was being skeptical where he's like, you're going to stop the fighting of more than half a million people by telling the truth to the rebel leader. You think that's going to be good enough? Like it didn't seem like a good plan, but Vivi is incredibly optimistic. She is like the good girl where she's like trying to save every single life possible. So this is her plan right now. Yeah. And, but- and uh, in retrospect, because we learn pretty soon after that of her history with the rebel leader. So it's an old friend does give it a little bit more credence, at least. That's probably yeah. what she was thinking. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah, so that, that makes it a little more viable. It's someone that you know, so he, he might be, therefore, a little more likely to trust her. Yeah, my my whole thing was just from, again, personal perspective, noticing doing history where it's like, again, you have a rebellion, 700,000 strong. It's like they're not going to just rest because two people say stop fighting. So right. that's my approach at this point right now. Where I'm like, I'm agreeing with Zoro in this case. I'm skeptical. It's not going to work out this great. There needs to be more to be done. It can't just be talk to one person and that's it. There's got to be more to be done. And then we get a little exposition drop also there, right? About like what's going on in Alabasta the last couple of years. Basically a drought, right? Is that what's going on? Is that what you're referring yeah. to? Like yeah, pretty the, much uh, everywhere except for the the capital, Alubarna. 
Yeah, so Alabarna's getting is Alabarna getting rain? I thought they were going through a drought too. Oh um, uh, well they, they were getting it initially at least because of the, the dance powder. powder, which we the learned dance, about right rain here. Rain dance powder, yeah, 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 yeah. So sorry, I think this is jumping a little ahead because I thought actually I'm not sure. Where am I? Really for sorry. me I have it right here. The only, oh, okay. I mean there was like a brief cutaway to uh to all the the high ranking officers officially meeting Crocodile and Miss All Sunday. And oh we yeah, see the the members we haven't seen yet, like Mister Four, Miss Merry Christmas, Mister yeah, Miss Double Finger, the baddies of this arc. Yeah, the baddies. Right. They some have interesting dynamics. Uh, one of them acts like an old married couple, where one abuses the other. They have some interesting dynamics going on. But the important thing with that is they meet in a very funny looking, like a rural American diner, almost for their meet out before they go to um, the casino later on for the actual Brock Works meeting, the conspiracy where we hear the plan of Crocodile, the grand scheme. But before we get to that, I just want to mention real quick, it's again, it's world building, and I have to give these guys a shout out. I fucking love the Kung oh. Fu Jugon Sea Turtles, dude. <laughs> yeah, the dude. I Kung love Fu them so much, where they're the embodiment of hype, 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 give me hype, give me hype. I want to fight you, hype, hype, hype. And yeah. they beat up Usopp when they start off, and then Luffy just beats one of them up. And then we learn afterwards, and Vivi's freaking out, going, no, they have this apprentice code where you beat one of them up, and they all become your apprentice, and you have to teach them. And Luffy's, like, <laughs> down for it. Yeah, he's like, I cool, this- let's go. <laughs> yeah, cool, let's go. And I bring this up because this actually does have indications later on, but in the short term, Luffy being Luffy gives away half their supplies before they trek the desert. So they have to <laughs> really carefully ration even more than before. Because he can have supplies to the Jugon Sea Turtles. Because he f- had a bond with the, his new students. <laughs> yeah. I like when they're like walking away. You see one of the, the Dugongs has like a, a little tissue dabbing away tears. <laughs> yeah, like, like <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it was man, great. you're so cool, dude. Just, oh, I know we mentioned this last time, too, with like the hiking bears and all that. Just the, the random kind of one, uh, one or two off, not animal like bros, but just animal characters. Mm-hmm. it's just fun it's always really fun and they're super unique to one piece really like those almost human the anthropomorphic like animals that just have their own kind of little gag associated with them mm-hmm. i'm it actually very hits for me <laughs> i was glad you brought that up because i was that was actually i was thinking of the three statements i wanted to make before recording the world building one i forgot to emphasize in for alabasta arc they oda did such an amazing job with the animals the wildlife the environment in this one where yeah. it's like all these animals have a personality that's like super cartoony, but amazing, which makes them memorable. Like the Jugon turtles, like I mentioned, the Jugon sea turtles. Sorry, you have to say the full name correctly. And while they trek through the desert, it's not just simply, oh, here are some difficulties along the way, but here are some crazy new animals to observe. Like I have here that it turns into Monster Hunter World when they have to fight the Sandora dragon at one point. Right. Then you have the evil herons that are fake birds that pretend they're dying of thirst. So you get guilt trip and drop your guard and they steal all your water. And it's like, what yeah. is this? I love and that then, moment. The swindler herons. Yeah. And then Luffy is drinking cactus juice and then I'm going, God damn it. Avatar. Is this a one piece reference? I knew you were going to say that. I was waiting. <laughs> uh, feels good. I was waiting for that. <laughs> Like and then yeah, and then right away like Chopper has to like give him like morphine or something to knock him out right yeah, away. Yeah, like uh some what, what's what's it? I forgot what it was exactly, escaping. but it It made him makes him fall asleep. Yeah, but but the worst thing about that one little 
tad bit here was that they fought the Sandora dragon. I'm like, why aren't you carving it? You need supplies. You need armor. Guys. I'm sorry. That's a Monster Hunter reference. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Monster Hunter One Piece crossover win. Win, please. Oda. Capcom, please. Uh, I was kind of skipping over that because that's kind of like tri- their trip uh, onto Yuba. Before we yeah, get there, so though, they we kind of get the camel. That's kind of important. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The camel will be the last bit before. Uh, I just want to mention because we did skip over a little bit of Crocodile and Brock Works coming up with right. a plan finally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he revealed the name Operation Paradise in their meeting. Yeah. So Operation Paradise or sorry, Operation Utopia. I have Operation Utopia. Uh, I think that's right, actually. I, I think I'm just confusing Paradise because I was just watching Attack on Titan, the new episode. Oh, like yeah. Paradise Island, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Utopia, Operation Utopia. Okay, okay. Um, it's revealed that Brock Works is totally responsible for the dance powder being dropped accidentally to give to the false information to the people that, oh, the king has access to this powder, right? It's totally the king and the royalty. When it's totally, you can actually recognize the worker that made, like, in the flashback going, oh, my God, we lost the powder. Sorry, the king just told me to deliver to his palace. I'm sorry. And before right. he bails, and everyone's like, oh, this is dancing power. This is this is exotic, but illegal. Like, it has magical powers, where basically, if you use it in an area, it rains in that area, like, lusciously, but it takes away the, the condensation from the other surrounding areas, so there's no rain for the other areas for days, if not weeks or months. So right. that was thrown right away to, to sow doubt into the people, right? This is part of Crocodile's conspiracy. This is also great conspiracy plot, this whole thing, by the way. I love a good conspiracy plot. Yeah, he he plays uh, his moves very well leading up to this climactic battle. Like, like he's super obviously a bad-looking dude, but I'm just going to guess that people of Alabaster, they don't judge a character by their look. So, very progressive of them, too, on that part. But, um, because you're looking at Crocodile as a reader going, this guy is such a mafia bad guy. Yeah, smoking a cigar. He's got a a golden (laughs) hook. He's got, like, this giant staple scar across his face. He's wearing, like, an overcoat that hangs off, like, his shoulders and that. Yeah, he just... Yeah, he's he's got the the oversized coat and, like, the pinup suit. But everyone's like, judge him by his actions, not by his looks. He's saving us from the pirates. And it's like, okay, they're good people. Yeah, the desert might be dry, but our boy Crocodile is dripping. Yeah, but he's dripping because he is an evil motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And we get the whole plot of sowing doubt into the people's heads about the dance powder. So then people are going like, are you using dance powder? Uh, or we know you have dance powder. Please. I think that's why I was unsure about the dance powder. Because I think in the flashback, they show the rebel leader pleading to the king going, we know you have dance powder and we are going through a horrible drought. Please use the your powder so we can get rain we're dying of thirst and starvation here and him being like a rational fair king is going i cannot do that and plus i can't even if i wanted to right but the doubts were sown in there so the scent is starting civil unrest is starting and that's kind of like where the you know the rebellion is starting because spoiler alert in real life when a country goes starving civil unrest happens civil unrest can lead to rebellions uprisings coups etc so in this case yeah so in this case, I want no. This is a very logical progression where you just sort a little bit of doubt, right? Where it's like, oh, the king totally has the answer to this, but he's not doing it out of fairness and necessity. And the rebels are like, we are dying, we are starving, we are drying of thirst, we are losing our faith. We know you're a good guy, but you're doing a horrible thing here. And thus the rebellion starts. The king holds his ground. And to be fair to other nearby islands, like, no, I'm not going to use this, what you say to use. And then Crocodile is ensuring, okay, part the last part of the conspiracy, 
We know the rebellion war is going to have a final war going on. We have agents in place to make sure this war happens no matter what. We got agents in place to kidnap the king. We got agents in place to lure the rebel leader out. So there's a standoff and a shootout that happens. And like what and we got a plan to I know I'm crashing ahead a little. Sorry, but I just want to establish this yeah, conspiracy yeah, right it. here up front. Um, we have a weapon ship that will crash near a hold a holdout of rebels near uh, Nanohana so that because they are total weapons after all, they have 700,000 people. Let's just mm-hmm. happen to accidentally crash a ship with all these weapons that they're missing so that like without a doubt, they are armed, they are ready and to attack. And because the king actually won't be there to stop any fighting to try and uh, be like negotiate one last time, we can do our uh, plan with Mr. Two, disguise him as the king, start this incursion where he literally walks up to innocent people and starts shooting rebels in the front and public street so people hate the king. Like yeah. it's just elaborate conspiracy and but it's so well paced that again like, this is all build up but even in these parts i'm just going like i can't put this phone down i can't put this book down i can't put this phone down and i one shot right. the entire arc in one night because i'm just like oh my god crocodile's an evil motherfucker yeah <sighs> yeah like like we said he's just playing his pieces really well he clearly has the right information that he needs and he is using it incredibly effectively like oh they're low on weapons i'll just give him some Oh, they're gonna they're a little bit low on water. I'm gonna make it look like the king's been ordering dance powder. Blah blah blah. You know, he's he's smart. Mm-hmm. Not to mention we'll find out at the end of this arc as well, where it's like, why does the drought last as long as it does? Like this is a horrible situation regardless, but it's like right. it's another step to the conspiracy. And what where... what does Crocodile gain from this civil unrest? Hmm, maybe he's got bigger ulterior motives. Maybe being one of the seven warlords of the sea is not enough for this guy. After all, he is a mob boss. Maybe he's power hungry for more. Um, but yeah, so Crocodile's got some skeevious shit going on. Um, but yeah, to go back to the Straw Hats before they reach uh, Yuba, they find the camel. Who, right, it was like again, getting chased by that, that big dragon thing, the Sandora dragon. Yeah, again, the animals in, on this island are sentient enough to be like Pokemon where they, you know what they're thinking, but they can't just yeah. talk, tell you directly. And then this camel is kind of a ladies' man where he's like, <laughs> I will only give rides to girls. Nami and Vivi, you two are dressed like dancers right now with your invisible corsets, making you look super skinny and like super creepy. But I love you at the same time. I'll give you a ride. And they get their ride to the rest of Yuba so that they can, you know, ration a little better. So they're not all dying of thirst equally. Right. But they get a little bit of help with that. Shout out to eyelashes. <laughs> to, to eyelashes. Which is not best animal. That's what but, Nami names the camel. <laughs> <laughs> not best animal, but his priorities are straight. Help Nami before everyone else. That's the priority there. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, you can't really hate on eyelashes. He, he's he got his code and he's going to stick to it. <laughs> I, I respect the code. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, we get to the big revelation of they get to what's formerly the rebel base, but it's no longer the rebel base. Right, and the town that's or... also supposed to be an oasis, but it, the oasis has also dried up in this drought. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vivi runs into an old uh, family friend, Toto, who used to frequently visit the palace uh, with the son, now rebel leader Koza. And he still has this undying faith to the king, which I would argue is a very bad thing to have. 
But in this case, the king is shown over and over again to be a very fair, yeah, rational man. he's correct, but he might be sticking to his guns a little too hard. Yeah, he's correct, but for the wrong reasons in this case. Yeah, agreed. Sorry, he's correct, but the reasons why he's correct are wrong. Where it's like, it's just undying right. faith to the king. He's, yeah, yeah, correct. Okay. he's in the right for the wrong reasons. Yeah, but regardless, it's this. it gives Vivi that, uh, that little extra shred of motivation, as well as the Straw Hats, where it's like, people are suffering here. And also, we kind of waste our time because the rebels aren't here. They're back near the first port city that we just stopped at. And our information was off. And information is becoming a very clear, important motif theme in this arc, especially misinformation yeah. and mis and sorry, misinformation and information are vital in this arc. Whereas yeah. the, the reason why the Civil War is happening in Alabaster is because there's misinformation going around. And Crocodile is using it to his advantage, while the Straw Hats, while they're going along, they're slowly getting information bit by bit, but it's not going to be enough in time for what they're doing here, right? They wanted to get to the Rebels to stop the fight, but they're on a time scale because they know that tensions are high. They don't know about Operation Utopia yet, but they know tensions are high. Right. And at this point, after we have this moment, actually, it's a very nice touching moment real quick where... Toto and Luffy are kind of digging underground. Luffy is understanding with uh, Vivi and Toto that these people are dying of thirst. Let me help out what I can, right? Just real quick. Yeah, he, he tries to in. help dig up the oasis again to find water, helping Toto out, which is, it is a very good moment. Yeah, even, despite the fact that they're low on rations and they're dying of thirst, Luffy's still spending energy to try and help this guy find some water in this oasis because he respects, right? That's part of the reason. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the main reason why this, this undying faith of the king is a positive in this case because it helps motivate inspire luffy to help the people because before luffy was kind of very wasteful with water and rations they had a one-time panel where he's drinking water from a barrel he's his cheeks are completely inflated yeah, because like he's full of water like a chipmunk. bubbles <laughs> yeah but then after this he kind of gets that uh that realization that water is sacred here it's not just something to help you survive it is sacred here because it's a desert for fuck's sake and right. he sees this person working his basically bleeding his fingers off his fingernails because he's digging um trying to keep faith and you know keep the goal right keep to the motivation the dreams right the right. toto's dream is to build this great oasis trade city for the king luffy respects that when he knows people have dreams right that's always his thing where if he sees there's a goal he will help out where he can he respects it yeah it's just like we talked about in our very early episodes with like i think the very first episode luffy and zoro and like with his reaction with kobe he just really respects people that have a dream and they'll they're going for it sticking to it and it's the same thing here with toto he sees him he's still digging even though he hasn't seen water in god knows how long but he's still mm -hmm. trying and luffy just really does he has mass respect for people like that yep and they actually do manage to get some water at some point right before they leave they get a little bit of water from the Yuba Oasis, and Toto, being the friendly man he is, he gives that water to the Straw Hats. It's one barrel, it's not much, but he's like, here, have this barrel. And then Luffy, of all people, is going, let's not be wasteful, let's ration this carefully, it's a mm -hmm. gift, right? And obviously Usopp and the crew to call him out on it, where it's like, you were just wasting water earlier, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. This is actually also very important for later on. Like These little yeah. pieces are scattered everywhere, and it's insane. Yeah, dude, this arc is, is so tight. Like, tight oh, is in God. really well put together and, like, just all the pieces falling in perfectly. You don't even expect what's going to come into play later, really. And, ooh, mm -hmm. Alabasta. Mm -mm. Yeah. So we get a little bit of world building 
because you mentioned earlier the flashbacks to establish the history between Vivi and uh, Koza, Koba, Koza, Koza, yeah, uh, of the, the the rebel leader of why she believes her plan will still work. But after this uh, moment with Toto in Yuba, and they're about to head back, Luffy actually just goes, "I quit. I don't want to do this anymore." Which I still think now. That's a little too like you might want to work on your messaging there, Luffy. A little yeah. bit. Yeah, I do. I am in agreement with his motive, though. Yes, he is absolutely right. But his again, presentation is very important, kids. And yeah. his presentation is, "I quit." That's not a good presentation. That's not a good start. But even the Straw Hats do agree when he eventually re- try to re- tries to actually reason with Vivi. He actually does a reverse because Vivi was the one that talked Luffy down from his original plans when they're on Drum Island. Now Luffy is doing it the same to Vivi now. Like now he's gotten better with the, the situation where he's going, talking to the rebel leader is not going to do it, right? Yeah, I've seen it here. Right. It's not going to work. I've seen it here that this is basically the peak of faith in the king. This is not going to be the whole rebel army. These are the people who are tired. They want water. They need food. It's not going to work. And we're going to waste too much time going all the way back, sailing back and hoping, right, that this works. Meanwhile, the, where Crocodile is seated, like they know he's at, uh, what's it called, like Rainy Day? Or rain Paradise Base. City. Rain Base, thank you. It's Rain Base. This is actually much closer. We know he is, in fact, the bad guy orchestrating this. They don't know the full details, right? They don't know everything. But they know the fact that he's the one orchestrating this civil unrest, this dissent. So after they actually have a brawl, Vivi actually fights Luffy because they disagree. Luffy goes, no, let's go and kick Crocodile's ass because then it'll be much easier for us to deal with the rebels without him interfering. He is a pirate warlord. He's one of the seven warlords of the sea. He will be much bigger of a threat in terms of power. And he was very, very right. And I think they did have the right idea. And it's like you were saying earlier, he kind of sides with Zoro there. And he's like, you know what? We shouldn't just keep chasing after the rebels, hoping that this is going to work. Let's just go take out the, the root of the problem, Crocodile, instead. Yeah. And they still don't know if it will work. They just think it will have a much better chance. Because if you go to the rebels, I think this is actually Luffy's words. If you go to the rebels, we can't help you. We are pirates. No one will trust us. If we go to Crocodile with the aggression to fight, we can all help you because we're all fighters. We can all help you and back you up. You'll be the princess reclaiming what's supposed to be yours, your land, right? Protecting your people. If you go to the rebels to negotiate, we're gonna hurt your we're gonna hurt your chance of negotiating because we are the pirates that caused the, the commotion in Anahana, and so people aren't gonna trust us, right? Yeah. And plus, maybe or maybe or maybe or maybe not, Luffy might look a lot like Ace, and he kind of burnt down that whole fleet right outside the bay. That too, maybe. Who right. knows? But. Again, like that's also why like I was completely in agreement with Luffy, and I'm I, I was shocked. I was like, Luffy was the voice of reason for a plan. What the hell? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I was on board for it though. I'm like, all right, fuck it, let's go to raid base. Also, I was down for that. Yeah. So then, like, eventually, obviously, he's like, just let us help you, and Vivi does agree. So they start heading towards rain base instead of towards wherever the heck the rebels are supposed to be now. Mm-hmm. And then we see uh, back in Alubarna, the capital. It, Things are getting pretty tense. Very uh, tense. We meet Pell and Chaka to the two like high-ranking Royal Guard officers that we also saw briefly in the flashback, but they were kind of silhouetted. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and so you know they're pretty cool. Uh, Pell's got a pretty cool design. He seems to have like white face paint on with like a teardrop kind of like line designs on his cheek. Chaka I was just... gonna. 
Wait, what? Yeah, I'll, uh, sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, where I was like, I really love the aesthetic design for Pell, where he just yeah, looks agreed. like a warrior. So immediately when you look at him, I'm like, okay, he's the number one, number two fighter, right? This guy's a personal guard, secret service. This yeah, is the guy, Chaka right? is the commander and Pell is the number one warrior. Yeah, that definitely looks like it. Um, and it does, it does convey that. Chaka's just got like a really big kind of... Kind of Dalton-y, like from yeah, Drum Island, commanding. like a really big chest build, like just kind of looking like a leadership position, which it... Yeah, a commanding demeanor. A commanding demeanor is what I was thinking. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and he doesn't... But yeah, but when you look at Pell, you're like, damn, this guy looks like he can kick your ass. Yeah, like so this guy shows up in any anime, like in the middle of a battle, you're like, ooh, someone's about to catch this fate. <laughs> yeah, wait, do I hear sure. boss music? Wait, what's that health bar down there? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then reaffirming Karu being best boy, best companion. Woo-woo. He makes it. He is dying of thirst, but he makes it. He delivers the, the news to the king, right? That crocodile is, in fact, behind everything. And yep. the king, being the wise, rational king he is, even in the corner, is going, I don't care if we lose the palace of the rebels. That means we have less people to lose. We are going to march our entire army over to Rain Base and deal with crocodile because yeah. we know that son of a bitch did all this. It's called the suffering. And he and, you know, the people like Chaka are like, but what about the palace? The sim- the symbol of the capital, right? Obviously, right? That's a very understandable position. The king's yeah. position is, I don't care if I'm usurped as king as long as the people live and survive and we as a nation and culture can go forward. I'm like, I respect the dude, right? King yeah. Cobra, great name. Also won my heart in that favor. I'm like, all right, dude, I might, you might be too passive before with the rain thing, but you're showing action now. Okay, you know what? Are you Okay. I got you. Yeah, like, we see the the contrast here between him and, and Vivi, his daughter, right? Like, Vivi has shown in her time with the Straw Hats that she is a pretty good leader. You know, she knows how to work in a lot of situations. But just like Luffy called her out, like, for being naive and expecting no one to die, Cobra does not have that problem, really. He's like, we'll save as many people as we can. The best course of action here is to take out Crocodile. The same thing that Luffy just explained to Vivi. Yeah, not to mention a stark contrast between King Wapple and King Cobra. Like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Like, I would want, you would want a King Cobra any time of the day. Wapple, you would he, He's want. like King Richard, I imagine, the way he's always portrayed in fiction. Yeah, almost like uh, King Richard the Lionheart, I think that's his name. That's kind of like the comparison. Yeah. Um, I didn't actually think, compare him to any real leaders because, again, he's like kind of, he's not passive. He's more like cautious. He waits for the information to happen. But at the same time, he didn't know this information was going to come to him. But the part that counts is he got the information and then he acted right away where he's like, mobilize the forces. We're going to abandon the palace, basically, but we're going to march our entire forces over to rain base. And he's going to answer for his crimes. So I'm like, okay, respect. Make sure less people die that way, because obviously the palace will be lost. But hopefully you capture rain base and hopefully that will open up like a unique set of circumstances where you can negotiate where it's like, yeah, rebels have the palace. Let's negotiate a surrender. And the king would be, yes, I'll be completely fine with that. By the way, I have the real villain here. Right? Yeah. Like, interesting set of events. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen, but we'll get to that. Yeah, and at the same time that they're now preparing to go to rain base, the rebel army is now preparing. The rebels are also about to attack the palace we see at a cutaway to Koza. So it's, yeah, co- things are definitely reaching a tipping, a boiling point. Yeah, definitely. The tensions are staking high. Uh, even Oda is giving us like the overhead map of the world where it's like Straw Hats are here going to rain base. Barak Works is here. They're going here and here. Rebels are going to the palace. The the Roy- the Loyalists, they're going to rain base. Like they're giving this whole map of people moving on the chessboard. And it's like, oh, my 
God, it's so much elaborate. Uh, real quick, before we go back to the Straw Hats, um, Carew is a great reminder of also the plan, the the uh, contingency right. plan, where I think it was Chaka or Pell. They're going, hey, are you hurt? Do you need to be wounded? Or you're wounded. Are you need hurt? And then Carew is like going, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, he's like, he's nope. just. Because he's got a bandage on his wing. Yeah, like, this, but he around. can't talk. To, he can't talk to him. But it's he's like just pointing at the bandage, going, "No, this is important." And it shows us that flashback real quick of like, "No, this is the straw hat. We have a plan. Don't screw this up." He can't tell them that, but it's a great reminder of to us, the readers, of like, "All oh, right, this is still a thing." And also, yes, I fucked up, guys. I'm sorry. Carew is best boy. Okay. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Hell yeah. Oh, it's like rubbing my face. A member on this or an point. honorary <laughs> member of this crew as VV is. He's got his own little mark to indicate it, you know? Mm hmm. So, what goes on after that? We get the plan. So, basically, this is the climax scene, essentially. So, let's just, we can kind of talk about it as a whole. So, the Straw Hats mm -hmm. are going to arrive at Rain Base at the same time the Marines are going to arrive at Rain Base. And the Royal Army actually does not make it in time, unfortunately, before this whole thing ends. But Marines, yeah. Straw Hats, all arrive at Rain Base, where uh, Crocodile is, and we get the big fight. Any, like, highlights you want to talk about from this moment? For this uh, big scene? Yeah, so Nami gets what's called the Climate Baton from Usopp, foreshadowing to what's going on later. I'm just going, ooh, new weapon. Right, on the way there, yes. He mentions a Climate Baton, or... I, I don't. I think I might have told you this, but in general, I, I'm pretty sure everyone calls it a Climate Act. Climate Except tact? for okay. this dub, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot easier to say than climate baton. It is, climate and tact. it flows better, and it still makes sense in English. So I don't know why they chose to change that, that to climate baton. Um, I also have here written Sanji kills the moment. I don't know why. I think it was more like, I, "How dare you make Nami fight?" or something like that. Sanji always has a what? What did Sanji do? But that's what I'm saying. I wrote the note here. Sanji kills it. <laughs> ugh. But I didn't explain exactly what happens. I was thinking I would remember well, exactly what he says. Yeah, here. I don't remember what you're talking about. I, I don't I'm know. just going to assume you're unjustly, you're unjustly hating on our boy Sanji, but that's fine. <laughs> um, Vivi agrees with Luffy that they need to do a full-on frontal assault. There's no infiltration. There's no time. That's usually what Nami would want to do, right? Someone who wants to scope out. It's usually a smarter thing. But in this case, time is of the essence. So they need to just do a full frontal assault. And it's not the best plan, but they have no time. Vivi agrees with this. Right. They get, oh, they separate. A very important chopper separates from the group because he needs to go pee. <laughs> very real moment. <laughs> right. But it leads to a crazy chase between the Navy being there again, Smoker. Um, Zoro, Usopp, Nami, Luffy, they all split up, but they rejoin at the casino. But they split off away from Vivi, yeah, Sanji, Vivi split and Chopper. Off. Oh, because of the Marines, right? The Marines start chasing them, yeah. and they all split up. And the ones that make it in are those you just listed, correct? Right. That's yeah. what happens. Yeah, so that's I had to write this down because when I first read through this, I made the mistake of not keeping track of who was where. So right. when a cool moment later on this arc happens, I was like, wait, what did this happen? And then I had to go back and go, oh, right. So again, Sanji, yeah. Chopper, and shoot luffy nami usopp zoro oh vivi vivi sanji and chopper are not with the main right. four right they're now they're outside as they running from marines yeah but they're going so on really with the plan full front assault oh, you go, go ahead go ahead well i just want to say they're, they're going with the plan regardless because oh, okay. zoro i think it was nami or usopp going shouldn't we wait for a vivi and it's like no we have a plan get crocodile right that's the plan yeah this is like the set piece uh idea we talked about specifically i believe in our arlong park episode we're like, you know, Zoro's here, he comes here, but Arlong's going this way, and, you know, so they miss each other, blah, blah, blah. The way that 
Oda can position, like, he keeps such good track of all of his characters' positions and, like, the situation. Like, okay, so, you know, Sanji's outside, Chopper's outside, Vivi's outside. In in so many other, like, manga, I wouldn't even think to register that being important. Like, yeah, okay, they're not going to be in this fight because they went somewhere else. Like, they're probably out, you know? And the people inside yeah. are going to handle it. But Oda just, he always works it in. Like, everyone has their, their role to play in each piece. He positions all of his pieces very meticulously. And man, it just, it always pays off so well. It always does. Like, after this arc especially, like, it should have been Arlong Park should have been the one to tell me, convince me, okay, Oda actually keeps track of where people are, and it's important. Alabasta was a reminder, because again, I didn't keep track of the three who weren't with the main core group at the moment. I was just focusing on the four that were being focused on, and Smoker. But not the three that were missing, and goes, oh shit, I should have done that. So, right. no surprise, the frontal assault completely backfires. No surprise. Yeah. <laughs> it backfires because of uh, Crocodile's extremely clever trap. Yes, very clever trap where he has VIP room this way, pirates go this way, and Luffy goes, <laughs> we're pirates, we have to go this way. And, and and I don't think anyone says anything. No one's like, no, they're all just go, they all just follow Luffy. Yeah, including Smoker, all- who is still chasing them. Yeah, including Usopp and Nami, because, again, they're, it's like time, 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 time. Yeah, like, I guess gotta, they're just in the go, moment. Their hearts are probably beating so fast, you know? Yeah. To that point where your heart, like, it feels like you can't hear anything because your heartbeat is so loud, you know? Yeah. Because they're but about to, to face fair, off with a warlord. Like, the comparison we have for a warlord is Mihawk. Yeah. To that's, nitpick, oof, that's scary. To nitpick, though, they did skip when they did skip around to where they were running towards the VIP room. And then they just teleport to the cage kind of thing. And they give you that small flashback to where they got the fork on the road. They did right. kind of skip ahead of like, so was it a trap door at the end? What happened? Uh, there was there was a panel of a trap door in the hall. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because um, I don't think they showed that in the manga. I'm guessing in the anime they might have. Um, I, I thought they did. I'm not sure. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure anymore. Maybe. I thought I saw the panel of the trap door. I'm mm. fairly certain, but I'm not 100. I'm like 90%, not 100 well, that would be a better reason, just because it's like, again, that would explain the whole teleportation right. issue. Right, so like, it wouldn't it's really a... matter which way they went, right? Because the trapdoor was in the hallway, so. Yeah, so at this point, our main four heroes and Smoker, because Smoker was on their tail, like he was still trapped, tra- uh, keeping up with them. Uh, they Those five get trapped in the cage, and basically we see Crocodile pull on his best villain monologue, because yeah, very, he's going to yuck like, it up, man. Classic villain gloating going on from Crocodile here. To be fair, he has every right to gloat at this point. So <laughs> Yeah, he did He did totally trump them completely in his estimation. Yeah, because like, he can't progress the plan, right? It's a very elaborate, complex plan with agents and people in their separate places. He really can't do much at this point, so he's just going to yuck it up and gloat. So he's going to just soak it all in and be like, oh, Vivi, just caught up in time. Get her back to the capital. Or sorry, to the radio. It's like good characterization for him, too, because you kind of get the impression from this scene, especially, that he does think that he's better than everyone, especially other pirates, which he basically literally says, like, oh, you're a trash pirate. I am a warlord. How dare you, like, step up to me? Yeah, we, we see that a couple of times, too, where if people actually answer him directly, like, as his equal, he actually loses it because he's actually, like, he's not used to people acting like they're his equal. So when that those little moments happen, you see that in his eyes where he's just like, I'm sorry? <laughs> where you, yeah. you, see a, you, see a, you see a nerve pinch there a little bit? <laughs> a little bit. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, 
this is the part, I think, just real quick, the world building. We learned about Sea Prism Stone. Is that the first time? Yes. I wanted to get to there, yep. Where, yeah. like, why can't Luffy cage or Smoker just get out? Yeah, why can't Luffy or Smoker just teleport? And they established that even Smoker, a part of his sword, his weird-looking weapon, uh, it's made with the Sea Prism Stone. And they basically, it's, it's trying to, it, they describe it as being magical a little bit. But honestly, I just see it as, it's literally water in a stone form, and it's not ice. And because they established that Devil Fruit users just lose their powers in or near water, then it just works. Yeah, bad on that's a good way. Of it's like an ocean in stone, yeah. right? An ocean so, rock kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, I'm just thinking like this is literally just world building geography, but these water stones are literally like a counter to Devil Fruit. It actually makes me wonder if that net from Logtown was actually like made with a special prism stone elements within that rope to cancel out their powers a little bit back in Logtown. I assume it was because he did. Buggy said something when he was trapped in it that we mentioned, like, "Oh, I can't. We can't use our powers in this, right?" Yeah, so I remember we mm-hmm. mentioned. That's that. why I was thinking that. So now yeah. we know, like, it's some kind of sea prism stone, like knockoff mm-hmm. or something similar. Yeah. So we get the moment where the straw hats are in the cage. They're hopeful that Vivi will come rescue them while you know Crocodile is ducking it up. Vivi is surrounded by millions. She puts up a good fight, but they did establish that. Uh, she's like Nami, where she's not the best fighter. She is I mean, a better she did fighter. She's pretty though. good, though. She sliced his head yeah. off. It just came back because it's made of sand. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was a little a little later. But yeah, with the agents, right? They're, she's finding out the agents outside. She can't get into the palace just yet. She is putting up a really good fight. Oh, she outside. She was a former yeah, agent, yeah. after all. Yeah. Uh, Pell comes in, saves the day. We find out that he has like the, the tweet tweet fruit, which is a terrible name. But. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like the, the Cry Cry or the Falcon Falcon or something like that. But it's I th- are you sure it wasn't, are you sure it wasn't, the, was it actually called the Tweet Tweet? I didn't even it's, look. It's I, called, I was pretty it's sure called it was the Tweet bird Tweet. Bird. At least in this version, the Tweet Tweet Double Fruit, I'm like, Okay, oh, I, have, oh. I just have a question for these <laughs> translators. Why is every other zone type fruit just named Dog Dog, Human Human, Bull Bull? <laughs> they right? probably for, realized this they one screwed is up with tweet. this one. <laughs> Why couldn't it have just been the Bird Bird Fruit Mono Falcon? Which is what uh, they, I'm pretty sure it's actually called. <laughs> they they probably realize they screwed up with this one. They're like, uh, it's yeah, it's weird. the it's the Luffy type fruits that get the weird names, you know? Yeah, like, it, it's funny because we were just talking about how Pell is like this warrior looking dude. He looks badass. I am powered by the tweet tweet devil fruit. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Can you repeat that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you get this cool badass moment. Pell saves Vivi, and he's about to be like, all right, I'm gonna take you back to the king. We know you're safe now. We got a plan. And then Miss All Sunday shows up and goes, nah, we got plans with her still. She's coming with me. Pell goes, hell no, she's coming with me. And I'm sorry to say this. Pell gets the great buildup of the cool aesthetics. He gets beaten down fast by Miss All Sunday. Yeah. Her, she's like a quick attacker. And you you basically can't anticipate what she's going to do to you. Because we do learn about our devil fruit in this section right here. Yeah, the flower, you know, flower And if you fruit. don't know it's coming, there is basically nothing you can do. Yeah, and again, it goes runs again with the motif of this arc, which is information. If you don't have information about who you're fighting, you do not have an edge. Uh, Pell did not have the intel of like what can Miss All Sunday do. She can literally grow limbs. As I think there's a, I don't know if there's a range issue she has with the power, but basically if she can see the <laughs> so, person within sight... And then she can sprout hands on that person to the point where, oh, you're flying at me? I'm just going to have my hands uh, spawn on your back so they can go around your neck, bend your spine backwards, and snap your spine. 
or at least what I thought anyway, because I thought she killed right. him at this chapter. There, there was an SBS at some point because her fruit is called the the flower flower, I think in English, right? Yes, flower or flower fruit, blossom, yeah. right? Yeah. So in Japanese, it's Tanahana, right? And so oh, someone okay. asked Oda like what her range is, and he said, "Oh, about five hundred Hanahanas, give or take." So we don't. What does that know. mean? We don't actually know. Basically, <laughs> is, is what I'm saying. It's a funny, funny thing from Oda because I like I like Oda to think that Oda. basically she just has to focus where it should be and make sure it's in the line of sight. That's what I'm basically thinking of. That that's kind of my head canon too. That if she can see it, she can do it. Yeah, because how she gets the edge on Pell is that she looks like she does like a Mortal Kombat move on Vivi, where it looks like she impales her through her hand, and she does even like the acting look where like again the shadows over the eyes look like you're like just cold and don't care. Yeah. Uh, the acting look now it's it's no longer the the dark look now it's the acting look to me because Nami did this exact same thing in Arlong Park, and Pell falls for it. He gets angered, and then it's when Miss On Sunday gets all the 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 edge over him. She does a submission clutch. And again, I thought Pell was totally dead at this point because it looked like he, she bent his back so far back that it snapped, and then he just got knocked out and was bleeding out. I'm like, right. that, that that guy's paralyzed or dead. He's done. I really, I, I thought that was a great like power establishment moment of like, yeah, Miss Olsen Day is the second in command for a damn reason. I thought right. that was the point of that. So but, then let's kind of fast track. She takes Vivi yeah. inside, then right to Crocodile, and then. Vivi does try to fight, and as I mentioned, she does yeah. a pretty admirable, pretty good moment. Gr- she likes oh, really? using her uh, little chocolate cool rings, move. chops off his head, but no, no dice. He, yeah, he does the he does the anime teleport thing where he is behind the person. But in this case, it's great because it's just like because we know at this point where it's sand. The sand, yeah, he, sand. That's basically. man. If you could just put your whole body into sand, like yeah, that's it's clearly as we see it, mm-hmm. it's strong. And but the cool thing too, well. the cool thing too, is that when it happened, he I think he had like a very straight, nonchalant face. Like, like of course he's gonna do this, and then poof, his head just turns into sand. Yeah, he, he's not like, afraid at all. He's just chilling, like totally. Yeah, because he's, he's like, still in complete control, and that's what I love about Crocodile is his confidence, where he is just so in control, where he's just like these little ants are just doing their thing, and I'm just going along with it because I'm just waiting for my guys to do their thing. I'm waiting for the clock to run out. And but I, I can do I can do my toy. Uh, literally, I had a Star Wars moment here where Nami is reaffirming that oh, Vivi and the Straw Hats they're gonna kick your butt. And then Crocodile basically <laughs> affirms like not the exact lines, but then he goes like, "Your faith in your friends is your weakness." And I'm like, "Oh, he's fucking Emperor <laughs> Palpatine at this point. Yeah. I fucking love this dude." <laughs> so then we get to see more of Crocodile's uh, scheming as we cut away to Mister oh, yeah. Two. Ooh, man, and he so he. As we saw earlier, he at some point has touched the king's face because Vivi saw it and recognized her dad, yeah. obviously, right? When he was mm-hmm. on their ship. So he, using the king's face, dressed like the king, he comes into Nanohana and he's like, hey, I'm sorry, I did actually use the rain powder. And the only way I can compensate now for the shortage of water is to completely destroy your city. Yeah, just with my population control. Soldiers. Yeah, you know, <laughs> sorry, after control. you guys, yeah, I, just... I drew straws and you got the short one. Yeah. Which naturally pisses off all the rebels, and even a bunch of citizens just kind of instantly join up, increasing the rebels' numbers to like charge Alubarna because Mister Two and the Baroque Works agents posing as uh, soldiers just start yeah. wrecking the city again. Full on conspiracy plot because the soldiers yeah. that are working with Mister uh, the King, Mister Two, at this point, they're all Baroque uh, Works plants. They're not just people disguised. It's like no, these were people actually planted in the government 
and posed as, you know, loyal guards for a long time. That's how they were able to get far and so undercover. Yeah, for long. and then that's Again, when that uh, the ship you mentioned carrying a bunch yep. of weapons crashes near the rebels and yep. they're short-handed on weapons, but not anymore. Yep. They see a boy getting shot or killed too, or punched by, they didn't, well, we know it's by Mr. One because the kid knows the secret. Mr. Two, yeah, can't keep but, his mouth but shut. it's uh... Yeah, he can't keep his mouth shut where he's like, like, oh, I did it. I'm the best. I'm the evil villain, la, la, la. And the kid's yeah. like, oh, my God, that wasn't the king. That was another dude. Mr. One comes in, knocks him out, basically. And before the right. kid could actually answer, because, again, information, gay thing. They don't have the info, but they are misinformed because they assume that, oh, this kid was beaten up by another soldier. They even kill the, They even attacking the kids. Oh, my God. How horrible are these royals? How horrible is this king? All right, everyone rise up. We're going to take the capital. We're attacking today. We got the weapons. I'm fired up like Koza. I'm fired up. I'm wounded. I tried to negotiate. He shot me. Let's let's fucking do this. Let's go. Yeah. The time is now. Let's get it, basically. Yeah. So Crocodile is moving his plans in the motion. The attack is yeah. happening. So then uh, essentially back inside in rain base, Crocodile says he has a key to their cage, throws it into his little cage. Not the cage he- they're in, obviously. It's, like, it's a tank, I guess, full of <laughs> banana gators. Okay, Which yeah, okay. Huge. So I got I got something to say. I already told you, Justin. I need to tell yeah, everyone else here. Oda, you are so great with your animals, your world building. Why banana gator? Why not banana dial? It's crocodile yeah. owning banana gators, but not banana dials. Like he's like a one for one evil super villain. Right. But he has the wrong reptile. Come on, man. <laughs> well, dang, it, man. Maybe banana dials aren't native to Alabasta. Maybe they're somewhere else in the world. You know? I don't want to hear you defending yeah. him, Justin. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I was a little skeptical <laughs> on why they were not called banana dials, too, but that is factual. They are banana gators. And I, based on my research in the Japanese, it, was, it stands banana gator, not banana. Dial. Yeah. So again, it's a such a small tiny nitpick i'm just like come on man <laughs> yeah so but yeah um, so I he guess... throws the key feeds it to a banana gator yeah. and then mm. he dips he's like peace out oh by the way i also sent some more sandstorms towards your oasis yuba because fuck you basically yeah because why right? not oh yeah and then we get the revelation yeah that crocodile oh, is the hey, one yeah causing the, the reason droughts. yuba dried up in the first place was all me <laughs> forgot yeah, to mention you, that I'm, I'm one of the seven warlords i'm really good with my powers by the way you have no water because of me. So I'm like, yeah, this guy's full on confession at this point. Yeah, his like, he's his master it. plan is truly, it really does play out very well in this. It's arc. almost like it's a perfectly executed plan, and nothing can go wrong. As he and Miss Alcindor are walking out, as Vivi is struggling to try and rescue the Straw Hats or go help her people. Crocodile's going. I got the perfect plan. Everything worked out in my favor because I have all the information. Yes, it, ring, it does indeed ring. seem like nothing can go wrong, but does ring, the ring. something go wrong, Jake? Ring, What's ring. What's that ringing? Ring, ring. Oh, I should pick up this phone, the snail phone. Hello, this is Restaurant La Crap. Remember oh, me, yeah. bitches? <laughs> Our boy's golden moment. So I have to admit, yes, like I, I, I'm very critical of Sanji. He had a few moments in Drum Island, but it wasn't enough. I'm at this moment. I'm like, all right, Sanji. You're getting me now. All right. You got it. All right. <laughs> he is no like the subterfuge. Uh, he's like almost like a spy kind of, you know, for the Straw Hats. Like in this saga, he's yeah. like under the radar doing things behind the scenes. And and here he really comes out like as the, the trump card, the unknown in this part. 
Yeah, where basically it shows off, no, Sanji is also an intelligent person. Like, he, his obvious weakness that is, like, a character trait that I really despise is his, how misogynistic he is and how yeah. he treats women. But it is confirming with Oda that, yeah, it is a negative character trait he has. And I actually yes. do love that later on in this arc. It's actually yeah, it is Yeah, thing. it is a definitive weakness, as we see in his, his yeah. fight in this arc later, which is, like, not really in this section, but... Yeah, you but know. then we get the we get the realization that Crocodile does not have all the information. Even with the earlier meeting that we glossed over, we'll come back to it a bit. Uh, we yeah, he over thought he meeting. had all the straw hats in the cage because he thought Chopper was just a normal reindeer, a pet, and yeah. they had never seen Sanji. Because so they've got the two intel, members they don't know about. <laughs> yeah, because according to intel from Mister Three and Mister Two, um, these are the straw hats. I got them all. All right, we got everything solved. Let's go. And then that's when he realizes because Crocodile is losing his cool. He's losing his like posture. He's going, was there another one? Did I have bad intel? And again, information, intel, vital yeah. in this arc because it's good. It's bad for the bad guys, too, because they realize we misaccounted for someone. He's now claiming to be Mr. Prince and he's screwing up his guards in the front right now. And I'm going to break into your rain base. You better, you know, take you better stop me when you can. And it starts ha taunting him. Right. And Crocodile, again, he's the superior than everyone person. And he's like, I am not going to be a mad. fool out of me. I'm going to deal with this right now. I'm not going to be made a fool of. And so Sanji does a little trick, trickeroo on him there. Remember, he's like on the phone. And then it sounds like he, I guess he starts punching. You know, you hear some hits. And then yeah. a broke work agent comes yeah, along. I'm, oh, I'm I found yeah. this guy. I'm outside. Him. I'm I'm outside kicking your guard's ass right now. Why don't you come out and meet me right now, Mr. No, no, no. Crocodile. The guard, quote unquote, was supposed to have kicked Sanji's ass. And the guard oh. the guard says, like, hey, I caught him. We're in front of the casino. And Crocodile's like, good. I'm going to teach this fool a lesson. Okay. But I'm just, as we I must see a little bit later, that. Sanji had already beaten all the Brock work agents. Okay, yeah, that's why I thought Chopper. That. Okay. And then he made the guy do it. Like, do it or I'm going to kick you some more. You better say mm -hmm. you caught me, you know? It was great, great moment. And then he talks, yeah, Crocodile and Miss All Sunday get out there. They One of the guards say, no, Mr. Prince, he did this to us. They see a figure running away, right? And they're just, and Crocodile's like, oh, this fucker is going to die. Yeah, like, like, that's Mr. Prince. He's over there. That, Mr. Uh, Prince, get him. And then mm -hmm. you're like, right, the newest member can transform. And it's the yes. other guy that went out to pee and didn't join Chopper. back. It's Chopper. <laughs> yeah, not Sanji. The Mr. Prince that is the fleeing other is Chopper. Yeah, the other character that he wasn't quite sure of. Because I think he had the intel on Small Chopper, right? Crocodile? I yeah, think he had intel they, they had like, seen Chopper and assumed he was a pet. They talked about that at their meeting. They're yeah, like, they didn't, ignore the pet. Get yeah, ignore the pet. Else. But also, he didn't think that, you know, transforming powers. He didn't think that at all. So he was thinking he was chasing Mr. Prince. Meanwhile, Crocodile gets far enough away. Sanji sabotages the bridge. He's inside the casino. He meets up with Vivi after Vivi barely escapes from the crocodiles trying to find help. And Sanji comes in, and he is actually the prince in shining armor. Saves yes. the day. He's actually inside the casino, which Crocodile just left, <laughs> which was yeah. Great. And he's gambling on the casino machines, going, "Hey, princess, need some help for me?" And I'm like, "All right, dude, you got some class right now. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Like, take okay. me, take me to the others. I got this. Take, yeah, take me to the straw hats." He does, I think, this great kick that you mentioned that you loved, where he like yes. actually one shots the banana gator inside that was actually trying to. I eat love the straw panel hats. too, man. Like him, just like with his legs straight up, because we've seen before he's super, super flexible. 
Like, even back in Baratia, yeah. I think he stood on his hands and he had both of his legs basically parallel to the ground. Yeah, right? nine, like full nine, split nine, style. yeah 90 degree yeah. angles. Yeah. So he does right the angles. same thing here, but while standing up, like, he leans back so far, kicks this thing just straight up. It's like arced into the sky, you know? I, that was mm-hmm. a great panel for me. I loved it. I was like, mm-hmm. hell yes, Sanji, you deserve this moment. Yeah. So he does a great kick. He fights off the crocodile. The, sorry, the banana gator. Yeah. <sighs> the banana, <laughs> the banana gator. gator. See, that's why I nitpick here. Um, the banana gator, and he coughs up what looks like a clay sphere. And yes. we skipped over this a little bit, but yeah. it was basically, it was Mr. Three, who earlier was tossed to the gators because he gave Crocodile bad intel and didn't do his job right. And so Crocodile did his thing where he teased us more of his powers, where he sucked the, some of the water out of his body because it's part of the sand part of the sand power where he can absorb water from people. Right. It doesn't quite one-on-one go ahead, but I'm just thinking dryness. I'm thinking sand, whatever. Yeah, it's it, thematically it, appropriate. It kind of checks out. Yeah, yeah, it's thematically appropriate. Don't think too hard about the science behind it. I agree. Yeah, and but Mister Three is still inside. He survives. He's still like you know malnourished and dehydrated, but he's like, oh, I'm alive, kind of thing. And I'm like. Why can't this fucker die? I thought I had my moment earlier where <laughs> Crocodile, you cemented yourself as my favorite villain because you killed Mr. Three. Thank you. Before, after torturing him. But uh, that sounds fucked up when I say that. But <laughs> trust me, Mr. Three sucks. But Sanji is like, hey, you're that clay guy. Can wax you, uh, guy, yeah. Wax guy, sorry, wax guy. Remember right, Candle? the clay guy yeah. is the clone guy. Clone, clone guy. Bond clay. Names. So he's like, yeah, "Yeah, wax guy. Hey, we can't find this key. Can you make us a key? Because we find out later that crocodile doesn't give him a key. He's like, hey, he can make a key. Like from the cage, like he can make it with his powers. Yeah, Sanji Sanji had never seen him before. He didn't know who he was. But Mm -hmm. Usopp was like, oh, hey, he can make wax. He can he can make a key and get us out of here. And Sanji's like, oh, really? Like." do it yeah and then yeah and because mr three is cornered he's malnourished and after he's just like you know what crocodile just tried to kill me you got me cornered i just i'm just gonna go i'm just gonna comply at this point <laughs> makes the key stretches the straw hats and then we got round two basically going on with the straw hats where they escape crocodile can't find a chopper he escapes because he shrinks yeah. back down but because great again, the move pet by thing. chopper you know i don't know if it yeah. was his idea or sanji's idea but I was legit. I was legit worried about Chopper for a second because yeah. I knew that. Oh, I think Crocodile knew who Chopper looked like. But again, Crocodile's looking for Mister Prince. He's looking for that human figure. He's looking he's been the human, yeah, this really tall, big human-like guy. And now yeah, Chopper's big, just a little, yeah, little boy-looking guy, buff, strong away, dude running away from me. <laughs> uh-huh. So that was a really, really good, really clean escape. I was like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. Like the first time I saw it, I too was worried, you know. And I was like, oh, Chopper, good stuff, good mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> Yeah, so they also rescue Smoker out of, like, a, a sense of honor. He lets the Straw Hats go, but he also realizes that I could use this to my advantage because I know that there's some shit going on. I'm going to call for some reinforcements. Quick but note. for now, you guys are going This is it. the first time in the series that someone has said the Straw Hat Pirates. Really? Is this the first time? This is the first time. Yeah. Like, really? Okay. That's why I was wondering, like, wh- I mean, everyone in the world almost knows what they're called. Just because yeah. they're so iconic really just in manga anime like in culture you know in general but this yeah, is but when they the actually got their title the marines okay. are chasing and they goes there this is a straw hat pirates first okay. time we've heard that okay okay i actually did not catch up on that okay yeah which was it was it was a good moment i liked it i because i've been waiting i've been looking i was like where was it again yeah. then i saw it i was like ah there it is now we are officially the straw hat pirates 
Yeah, okay, okay. Um, Zoro saves Smoker. It kind of shows, it reinforces again Zoro's loyalty, where he just goes, I was ordered to by the captain to save you. I really didn't care if you died or lived, to be honest. Yeah, I was um, going to leave you. Yeah, personally, Smoker lets them go. He retreats. You think it's a, like, uh, like it's a friendly thing, because Luffy even says you're not that bad. But he's calling for reinforcements, right? It's like, okay, maybe he's letting you off the hook now, but he's calling for some backup. So it's also like, yeah, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. Um, they find <laughs> Chopper showing off his animal speaking powers even more. Uh, he finds a giant crab. I got Moana flashbacks where I'm just expecting him to sing <laughs> shiny. Yeah. Just going like, oh, talk about his gold. And because shit. this is a moment for eyelashes too. Eyelashes, the camel, hooked oh, yeah, Chopper up yeah, with eyelash- an old buddy of his. This is his hometown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah eyelashes knew the crab. And then uh, what do they name uh, crab? The crab is it pincers? What's the what's Pincers, the yeah. Pincers, okay. And Sanji also had a little moment there too because they didn't, Chopper didn't know where they were. They didn't know where he is. But right. Sanji the noticed perfume. that the same thing from earlier. Yeah, I said he has a really good nose. Nami, spray that perfume that you had on earlier. Yeah, the same which, one, the one you bought. Nami, spray it on you yeah, now. Yeah, Nami was and she's like, taunting. okay. Sorry, I was just going to say, uh, taunting poor Chopper with the perfume. Going, you mean this perfume? And then taunting him. And then Chopper <laughs> uses it to actually track Nami down. But it did and work therefore out, yeah. Then he followed the scent with his with his friend Pincers, as they name him, and they escape on this huge crab. Which I think they said... Or so you think. Was the crab the second fastest creature in Alabasta? Maybe. No, no, no. That was, that was later. That was the big... The gator thing that they rode. I think it's one of the fastest because I think they established it's fast, that it's Karoo's yeah. species, right? The ducks? The sonic ducks? Yeah, the, the supersonic ducks are the fastest. I like to think that the ducks are just so fast that they just run in a straight line, but if they hit any kind of hill, they just slow down immediately. I like to think that. Oh, uh, it doesn't look like that in the anime. Karoo's it fast. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I thought in my head, thinking because, you know, it's it's flat sand land uh, with some hills he's around like, them. He's almost comparable to, like, Golden Age, the Flash, you know, like speed. Where okay. he's not like the Flash today, but, I mean, as we saw... Later, not now. He he ran up a wall almost completely. Okay, like listen. I already said I was wrong about Karu. Okay, stop trying to rub the salt. On the no, this is just further, about like okay? his species, right? They are very. Fast, I know what you're so. doing here. I know what you're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. I get, I get, I get, I get, I get. Yeah, so they do manage to almost escape, but Crocodile was was he's he like flying? Kind of. No, he's got the hook. He's got that. Basically, oh, we kind of glossed over this. He has a fucking grappling hook for a hand. No, Jeff it's not a grappling hook. It's just a hook. But we did talk about that. But what he does is he ex- he shoots it out right. with the sand control. With the it. sand, he makes it so like it, a it grappling actually hook. He's kind of is a grappling hook. Yeah, but not the yeah. He's creative sense. with it. Yeah, he, it's not like a literal tool like uh, like Batman or whatever. It's like no, it's it's the it's the hook that he normally had because he got chopped off or whatever. But the sand, like you said, it uses it like a grappling hook. He tries right. to grab Vivi. Uh, he Luffy does. throws he himself in the way. Luffy like swaps with her. Right, he like stretches, jumps off. And, like, throws her back onto the crab. Yep. Yeah. And we get the moment where basically the Straw Hats separated. They have their mission to go find the king or find, uh, basically, to, to intercept the rebels. Because they know the rebels are attacking. Try, again, go back to plan A with Vivi. But, you know, Luffy will take care of the crocodile. He's got it from here. We got to get you to the rebel leader now. Right? Because we got you got to clear this. You got to solve this. Right. So, we get one big uh key drop here in the plot where yes. after luffy basically confronts crocodile crocodiles again trying to do his yucking thing where he's like i got this all planned out you stand no chance and then luffy i think just goes i don't care we're gonna fight and that actually catches crocodile off guard and it makes miss awesome they chuckle and laugh 
Yeah. Like, just like, oh my God, he totally called you out on that shit. But we get a name <laughs> drop here that is actually Miss Alston's real name. It's like, you got a problem with me, Nico Robin or something like that? And it goes, that's right. a weird way to do a full title name drop. But I feel like it was important because yeah. you don't just drop the title of an agent name because it's like, oh, is this important for the future? I don't know. We know. But who knows at this point? Crocodile basically gives him a literal fighting game rule mechanic where he throws down an hourglass and it says, because Nico Robin at this point, Miss All Sunday, she's left to try and intercept the uh, Straw Hats. Yeah, it's like 1v1, 60 seconds, desert, no items, let's go. Yeah, exactly. It's it's three items, hourglass is here, flat terrain, no items, fox only, and final destination. I think we can safely say here, we can kind of skip almost the end, It's other than the fact that Crocodile yeah. is really good with his sand If powers. you want to like talk mm. about the action, the only thing that I really noticed was that Luffy is getting a lot of hits in and avoiding a lot of crocodiles, just his hits have no effect. I wouldn't even. I, I was going to say, yeah, I wouldn't even call them hits because Crocodile is obviously not trying to dodge or block because right, he knows right, it's not right. going to do shit. So he's focusing on just like, all right, just give him this false sense, play with him a little bit because it's three minutes, right? Crocodile's right. obviously done this before. Like first minute, I'll give him all the blows. Second minute, I'll start attacking back. Third minute, I will not hold back. I think it's safe to say if this was a fighting game scenario, Crocodile's health bar is still at full at the end of this fight, and it's yeah. perfect because this is the first time Luffy loses a fight. He doesn't just lose this fight. He gets destroyed, yeah, decimated, destroyed. toyed with. Um, and I thought that was a fantastic because it's halfway through the Albasta arc, and I'm thinking, How's this going to go? Is this going to be like a stalemate or a draw or maybe like Luffy gets a good hit in and then Crocodile, like, you know, because like, again, classic cartoon villain at this point, I'm going, Runs I'm away, thinking like, yeah. oh, he'll go away. We'll meet again, Luffy or something like that. No, that doesn't yeah, happen. Definitely not. He he just, well, I mean, at the end of the fire, he literally impales him on his hook. Yeah, he does like the, his best impression of a Mortal Kombat fatality from the first game. Yeah, he, he really sticks does. His, where Luffy drops his guard for a second because uh, Crocodile fully admits about the sandstorms right in Yuba. I think this is where it happens, actually. He admits that I'm the one causing the sandstorms to your beloved Yuba. Because I think Luffy kind of like drops a little bit that he cares I for the people of Yuba. that was in Rain Base, in, in the casino when they were in the cage. That's where so I had it in my notes. Okay. I'm just, because I know but that there's something yeah, Luffy's that... Luffy's pissed off at him because of that, because he kind of befriended the old man. Okay, yeah, that was why. Okay, because um, I know that there was something that Crocodile said that got Luffy to actually go, like, face-to-face -face with Crocodile, but instead of, like, punching him, he just actually held up his shirt, because obviously the punching wasn't working. But Crocodile, right. without missing a beat, just goes, oh, cool, give me a free shot, thanks, bro, and then skewers him, and you have that really dark scene where it's just shadows, where Luffy's body is just hanging from the hook on his hand, yeah. and he's just like, well, I think this would have this didn't happen as and you kind of get a that like symbolic metaphor -y moment because as he impaled him he broke the barrel of water that yuba that luffy got from yuba from the old man yep. so it's like the character's lowest point we do get a tiny bit of foreshadowing here that i actually did notice the first time yeah. through where luffy is obviously lost at this point he's impaled he's struggling to do something anything but he actually touches crocodile yeah, he's beaten, but his spirit is not broken. He he kind of like tries to fight back, quote unquote. He and he yeah. grabs Croc's arm, which yeah, is now it, soaking wet. Was it purely out of willpower? Is it because Luffy? Had, no, it's actually literally. We're just gonna say it here because we're we're assuming that you've read the whole arc at this point. It's the water. It's the yeah. kind of like the the reveal that oh maybe 
water. And it's obviously, and it's not even that big of a secret, but it's all because of us, oh, of course, like a good realization, right? right? Water cancels powers, right? In this case, water is just touching crocodile, you can punch him. Or in this case, you can grab him because Luffy's obviously lost at this point. Crocodile kind of like flinches a little bit because he realizes he's getting he's getting irritated because Luffy's still struggling, but he gets touched. It doesn't really hit him. But regardless, he tosses him into the quicksand that he creates, goes away. Plan continues. We get the reveal that the king is confirmed to be kidnapped by some of the agents. Um, Chaka back at the palace readies the defenses. So they're about to prepare for an onslaught against like a million people on both sides of rebels attacking the palace. Um, the straw hats are like, we get this, we get this great montage of moments, right. Of like a collage of like next time on one piece, Frieza defeated. Uh, yeah. we see the, like the straw hats on the crab, the palace readying their defenses, the rebels charging crocodile, victorious Luffy. He's still alive. Like he peeks his hand head out of the, the quicksand screaming for meat for food. But right. this is where chapter 179 ends. Right, and that's that's kind of our general cutoff point for this arc, mm-hmm. which is not really halfway through. It's about a third of the way through. It's like 24 as opposed to, the, the I think, 64 that the chapter is. It's a little yeah. more than a third, but... Yeah, so oh, then his head stands oh, there's out, one, right? There's one more thing. Uh, we kind of glossed over it because it's like such a small thing, but they, they're kind of still relevant. We focus a lot on Smoker. Tashiki is in this too, and she had like a quick little run-in with Zoro. And again, Zoro is like very immature. He doesn't know how to deal with... The fact that yeah. this person looks like her, his childhood friend. That's right. I did want to mention that because this time he, he said it pretty clearly that like yeah, when he ran into her outside of Rain Base, he's like, oh, I can't can't fight her. So he runs. Yeah, away. I, I, I can't deal with this. Um, So they're kind of establishing that being clear. But regardless, I want to bring it up because one of the other things, too, is Smoker gets back to a radio or snail phone or whatever, calls for reinforcements. Uh, Tashigi is told by Smoker to go to Alabarna to capital and go follow your own sense of justice. I don't know what this means in the future, but it does kind of follow what happens later on in the arc where Smoker is basically giving Tashiki like full on, like you're in command at this point in this area. I'm here. You're there. I trust your judgment. Go. So that would be part one. Yeah. Part one of two, probably because second half is a little more action packed. Yeah, so we can probably skip through a couple things, but there are some big revelations that do happen in that second part too. So yes. it'll, it'll be a mix. There's like a, um, there's a lot of or there's a couple of really big world building things, obviously, <laughs> that are in the <laughs> next part. And then there's Absolutely. action. There's some mainly I'd just probably just cover like as a, as opposed to the plot points, really, because pretty much the plot has unfolded at this point, and now it's just the final battle. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's mainly character moments and a little bit of world building stuff for that next episode of Alabasta. Absolutely. Can't wait to discuss that second part because, yeah, lots of stuff happened in that second part. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I just it's hard to go into much detail because obviously it'll be covered in part two. But yeah, in this part one, we we're trying to focus heavily on themes that we're noticing in world building and foreshadowing without actually trying to state exactly what happens. Like we, we assume people who are listening to this have read Alabasta, at least the whole Alabasta arc. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, all the full details that we're holding back on now will be discussed in the next episode of our discussion. Which is going to cover basically everything to 179 where we cut off the end of 179, right? So 180 to 217 for the end of next episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You have any closing thoughts? Man, I fucked up on Carew. I fucked up on Carew. <laughs> I'm glad you've come around. I love Carew. He just has so many good moments. 
even like before Alabasta, like his little garden rally, his moment in Drum Island trying to save Zoro, even though, you know, he failed. But just he's just a good boy, as I've been saying. Yeah, the I'll cover boy. more. I'll cover more in detail, actually, in the part two of why I completely misread uh, both Karu and Vivi. Uh, I'll get more into that as, you know, plot part two really comes down to happen. I think we'll make that more about our deeper discussions because that's when the arc actually wraps up. But yeah, I fucked up with Karu. Absolutely. Um, I still think Sanji is at the bottom of my pirate list. But again, it's not even after the Mr. Prince moment. I, I got a soft spot for Usopp. Okay, because, it's fine. So good, I'm so guessing straw hat ranking again. But this is but at this point, I will admit at this point, it is personal preference because yeah. again, I'm more of a a fan of like character complexities and development. And Sanji isn't that complex of a character. He is a cool character though at this point. So he's almost like same tier with Zoro to me. Or I'm like, okay, you're both equally cool. Zoro though has yeah. the advantage of he fought. Hawkeye with that great fight back at uh, <laughs> dude, right? That's like so many extra credit points for coolness. Yeah, and they established, yeah, that Zoro does have a bit of complexity where he's like one with the sword and one with the his swordsman code and dream. Sanji's dream is kind of on the back burner right now where he wants to see the all blue because it's not really much you can do at this point. So that's right. why I'm like, complexity wise, Sanji is still at the bottom. But it's not because of like, okay, this guy is really annoying me now. It's more like, honestly, just he's not that much of a complex character to me. But he's, again, like not on like the super deep, like below the undead parish from Dark Souls. It's like, no, he's actually like up there with the guys now on the same deck. But he's still bottom of the list. Obviously, Nami, I can't talk because I'm thinking of Nami. Nami's still number one. (laughs) Nami's still number one, obviously. Again, that Arlong Park alone is the reason why she's the number one. Yeah. Still, with the Orange Town buildups and everything after that, I want to still say, I think, hmm, I don't want to say it though because I almost want to say Choppers beneath Sanji now for me, but he's the newest member. It's almost unfair, and, and I do like Chopper. <laughs> but, but I mean, you could say like it. It's not really unfair because Santi has had more moments and potential to shine and grow on you. Yeah, he, Sanji did have the more potential in moments, but he hasn't really done much in terms of like impressing me personally. Chopper, meanwhile, is like, okay, you have this crazy complex backstory. You're brand new, but you also have these complex powers where you have to use your smarts to your advantage. Where Sanji just kick it harder. Kind of thing. I do think that this is like the most clutch save though that Sanji had in Rain Base exactly. in the whole series. So which far. is showing off a different skill, which again, I think I don't know if I mentioned it on the air, but I mentioned where I was like, I was kind of hoping Sanji would be the uh this like the the boy version of Nami, where like he's the cook, but he's also the charismatic guy who yeah, flirts yeah, with the did, woman. I think you did mention it. Yeah, well Nami was the one to flirt with the guys, right? But obviously yeah. they have ulterior motives. I thought Sanji would be that character. Because, again, that's more, like, creative. We're using charisma. I didn't get that for the longest time. But we finally get that in a different way. It's not like he's negotiating. It's like, no, he's got the advantage. So he's going to play it off like an actor on stage. Almost like to a very Usopp way of him. But he's not actually lying and uh, uh, gambling or faking it, bluffing. He's actually committed because he's got the strength behind it. He's actually got a plan. So I admit, absolutely, that's why he's no longer, like, bottom of the tear barrel. And now I'm like debating personally is he still bottom for me like he's 
he's worked so high up there, especially when we cover part two. At, at least it's closer now. He's finally about to take his first step up that, that ladder of the ranking. Yeah, Drum Island ensured that he was no longer, like, the point of no return. And then Alabaster ensured, like, okay, you are a contender. You're still, like, at the bottom of, like, the Mario Party ranking system, but you're, like, a few coins away from passing sixth and fifth place. It's not like you need, like, five stars yeah. to catch up or some shit. For those who never play Mario Party, sorry for the reference if you don't understand it. But, yeah, I'm still thinking, similar to my first one, I think it's Nami, Luffy, Usopp, God, I want to say, I want to say Zoro, Chopper, Sanji. Am I missing someone? No, that's it. Okay, so I think that's where it is right now. I will actually have an updated list in end of part two, although it's more of an honorable mention more than anything. I think you understand, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of like where I'm standing. I think it's like no different from last time, but just know that Sanji is in the competition at this point. Okay. So, if people wanted to discuss Alabasta and know further than that in the manga, where could they find you? They can contact me at Jacob Miranda on Twitter. If they do have uh, possible spoiler questions, maybe foreshadowing, where can they contact you? At Jitsu on Twitter or YouTube. That's J-I-T-S-Z-U at Jitsu. And I will reiterate one more time. To finish up where we're going to be at next week, you need to go up to chapter 217 to end out the Alabasta arc. So read, what an arc. read 217. Another read. What an arc. <laughs> Great start. Like we said, Oda really just shows off in this arc his set piece, his writing, his planning for this arc and how tight it stays together. <sighs> Absolutely. Um, I was going to say, like, we kind of thought going in here that this episode was going to be like maybe an hour long, but we, we found out that like even in this buildup, <laughs> yeah, in the buildup for this first arc, it was like, no, you, we can find so much to talk about, about the world building, themes, necessity. Like, again, like we're, I'm bringing this up over and over again, information and misinformation being a huge theme, and it's going to come across even harder in the next arc. <laughs> I'm sorry, not the next arc, next part <laughs> next of part, this arc. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. So I'm just trying to reestablish it early on here to be like, if people are listening to part two going, well, you guys didn't say that. I'm like, uh-uh, I'm saying it multiple times. Right. Information <laughs> being a key motif this arc. All right. So there it is. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to OP is OP. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>